In 2020, summer 49, College Pro began a podcast series called Element X that showcased the X factors of people in College Pro. In celebration of 50 summers in 2021, we thought we would go back in time with a limited series symbolically called Torch Given. This is to signify how this brand has been really handed down through the years and has always found a way to endure. The initial series of conversations will be with the founders, the leaders, and trusted advisors of College Pro over the last 50 summers. The star of the show is this incredibly resilient, timeless, and relevant brand called College Pro. I'm Tony Valley. Summer of 88, that's the last year I ran a franchise, and I'm CEO and co-owner of College Pro. I and the College Pro team hope you enjoy listening to conversations as much as we enjoyed having them. So the next guest on Torch Given podcast is well-known in franchising circles. He is a successful entrepreneur, and he's my partner, Dan Monahan. So when people ask, what's your partner like? Smart, driven, innovator, entrepreneur, loves building things, and 20% of the time, he actually laughs at my jokes. But seriously, Dan is a hardcore innovator. He's often able to create these models from patterns before others can see them and convert those ideas into growth. And he applies that to franchising. Let me tell you a bit about his background. He's the founder of WSI. He's a digital marketer, published author. He's built a family of emerging and growth brands. He lectures on franchising, entrepreneurship, and venture capital at Cornell and Georgetown. He's the incoming chair of the IFA Foundation, chairman and founder of the Make Child Poverty History that he's in partnership with World Vision on, and he has held leadership roles at Young Presidents Organization. By his own admission, he is curious. This word why keeps coming up. Sometimes it's to understand business models, and he asks why things work in certain ways and understands the underlying data. Or he's asking why not and pushes myself and all the leaders and founders of all the brands and and the people inside the brands to think about how could we 10x this. He has been the champion of agile inside our business and it's been a key driver in the development of the CSG agile process to supercharge all of our brands ability to innovate and learn at speed. You know, the CSG core purpose that we always speak about is grow better together. College pros is together realizing potentials. So he and I are resolutely aligned on both of those things. We both come to this point with different and complementary expressions of entrepreneurship, but we do know we want to work with high performing people and cannot wait to work with more college pro alumni to help build College Pro and CSG. I am so happy to be on this journey to scale multiple summits together. And I can't wait to see what he brings to College Pro's next 50 years. I hope you enjoy our conversation. So Dan, thanks for doing this extra little bit this week. Uh, we can tell everyone that we're doing this as the last thing on a Friday. Um, thanks 
I, I really appreciate uh, you being part of the Torch Given podcast. We've talked to a lot of leaders in College Pro over the last two months. And we thought it, I thought it would be appropriate if I talked to one of the current leaders of College Pro. You and I bought the company together a couple of years ago. Um, and so I'm going to start the same way. This isn't a GSNR. I know you love that's one of the things. This is one. That's one of the things you loved with College True. Pro and that whole process. True. Well, so it's a, I won't be asking hard hitting questions, but just maybe let's start. One of the questions I've been starting with with everyone is just how are you? It's been a heck of a 18, 19 months here since the start of this pandemic, and and we're coming on to a big milestone for College Pro. But how are you? How's the family? How has the last couple of years impacted you, your family? Yeah, um, it's it's been a it's been an adventure in many ways. Uh, you know, a lot of transition. I think uh, you know, many years ago, I read the book The Four Hour Workweek, which many of you are probably familiar with. And at the time, uh, I mean, when I founded WSI back in 1995, it was a couple of years before the internet. So I, I mean, I've always kind of been digital internet oriented. And I always thought like the ultimate business would be a business you could run from your laptop from being anywhere in the world. And in the early days of the internet, I began to see that that was going to be possible someday. And um, and that's for, for me, one of my biggest values is freedom. And, um, and so for me, I think that's where this you know, the, the virtual world and everything that the internet could offer. Um, that's why I kind of think that I think it spoke to me in that regard. Um, but I wasn't expecting to be kind of like so abruptly and violently forced into this virtual world like we all have been through COVID. And in, in many ways, it's given me, you know, a, a more intense uh, experience of that freedom in the, the virtual world, but it's also taken other things away in terms of, uh, you know, the human connection. And, um, but I think like many people, uh, it's also forced me to kind of reevaluate what it is that I love about, you know, what I do, what, I, what do I want to do more of? What I want to, mm. what do I want to do less of? And, you know, I think everyone has an opportunity to kind of reinvent themselves. It's a bit of a reset. Yeah. And, and, and it has been that for me. So I, I, in answer to your question, everyone's healthy in the family. We've all made it through well. And I think we're all in our own different stages of that reinvention. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm just reflecting back because I, I guess we've gotten to know each other. The, the, the bulk of our relationship has been online. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's interesting. We're doing this re recording for the podcast and bulk of us getting to know each other as partners in Clear Summit Group, it, it, a lot of that's happened online. We saw each other last week and that was a great event. We had <laughs> a, a large, a big chance to do that. But the, when we think of 50 summers and you know, not, not a lot of, I know you, you've taken uh, WSI you know, past certain milestones and, and College Pro is entering. You know, we have the great 49 summer celebration last year and 50 mm -hmm. summers this year. Um, how are you feeling as you know one of the, current owners of the brand how are you feeling about that yeah I mean it's you know you talked about passing the torch I really feel like you know when 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 I spoke with the various 
you know, stakeholders as part of this transition. And, and I know that Charlie Chase in, in uh, handing over the torch, really, this was not about just finding a buyer of a company. This was about finding a steward uh, of a vision. Uh, mm. uh, and it was about really transitioning College Pro to a group of people who understood everything it was and everything it could be. And, um, you know, you have a much deeper understanding of what it was and, and what it is. I think I, I, you know, I share your vision of what it can be, um, but it's, it's really humbling, you know, to, to think about being at the helm of an organization that is not only, you know, reaching that 50 summers milestone. I mean, when I think about WSI celebrating its 25th anniversary, you know, a year ago, I mean, the percentage of companies that ever make it to 25 oh years is, is infinitesimal, but to, to get to 50 years, I mean, that in and of itself is, is so rare, but also to be a Canadian icon or iconic organization that is so embedded into the DNA of this country and beyond, you know, obviously the U S as well. Um, and to, so it's really humbling in that regard. And, uh, and it's it's a it's something that you know we all feel that sense of responsibility mm-hmm. in terms of, of of stewarding this through the next leg of the journey. And we'll talk a little bit about just that. I, I like telling the story uh, about the college pro purchase. We'll come back to that in a second. But take me back in in the Dan Monahan time machine a bit. And I think one of and and I've heard the story several times. But I think one of the things that connects you to a lot of uh, college pro current college pro franchisees and alumni is just the story of your youth and your entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneurial story. And then a little bit about the birth of Clear Summit Group to give people a sense of, of you and the, the CSG story. And then we'll weave that, some of that into the college pro story. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, if we go way back, I mean, I, I'm the son of a janitor and uh, my mom's a part-time nurse. And so, you know, I, I think, you know, there's a certain, when you don't have things and you have to, and, and you want things that, you know, the, the scarcity is sometimes the mother of invention. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think, and, and it's not to say that's necessary for all entrepreneurs, but it certainly helped spur me along. I mean, anything that I wanted when I was young, I had to make the money, whether that was paper routes, whether that was buying popsicles, you know, at the, the variety store and, and selling them, whether that was um, picking garbage out of the, you know, garbage and fixing things up and selling them at auctions or whatever. I mean, I, I sometimes think to myself, like, what would I have done if there was eBay when I was a kid? Because I was always wheeling and dealing and buying and selling every Saturday. I would ride my bicycle to every, you know, I'd map out my day when I'd look at the garage sales in the in the classified ads and I would basically make a route for myself every Saturday and um, you know spend most of the day going from garage sale to garage sale making deals buying stuff cheap and then I would sell it you know at, at auctions or I'd sell it at my own garage sale a couple of times a year or um, there was this radio show that used to be on called Trading Post and you know mm-hmm. you'd go on Trading Post and you'd try to you know, first of all, you try to get get in, like, you know, you try to call a radio show and actually get your line answered is tough enough. I had a speed dial kind of system before there were speed dialers on phones. I figured out a way to do it. But anyhow, I mean, I'd sell stuff on the radio, but that was kind of, 
I was kind of always entre entrepreneurial from the time I was a kid. I didn't actually know what an entrepreneur was. And one, one day I, I, I heard that word and I researched it and I realized there was a magazine around mm -hmm. that. And, uh, and I told my aunt I wanted to be an entrepreneur and she didn't know what that was. And she's a business person. And, um, and then I said, like, I want to go into sales. I want to sell things. She said, oh, Danny, you can't, you can't sell. You're, 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 you're way too shy for that. And I am an introvert. And, and she was right about that. But that just made me realize, like, I got to learn to do this. I got to learn to push myself. So I started selling things door to door. And, you know, I mean, there's lots of things I did to kind of break through some of my barriers. But when I found Entrepreneur Magazine, and I, you know, I don't, it couldn't have been around for that long, because this was a long time ago when I was a kid, but um, there was that annual franchise 500. Mm. And, and it was even around back then, I would drive to the other side of town, there was a used bookstore, and I would buy up Entrepreneur Magazine and Success Magazine and bring them home and, and read them. But you now I, I remember uh, once, you know, my mom kind of scolding me because I was it was after bedtime the lights were out but I was still in my bedroom under the covers with a flashlight reading entrepreneur magazine and the franchise 500 and I had a dream that someday I was going to be a Dairy Queen franchisee because I knew that after the after the baseball games when the whole just a timeout and I know you like yeah. ice cream so the, yeah. was it an ice cream driven strategy too no, it was a it was a money driven strategy okay. because because I after the baseball games if you when we were kids you go to Dairy Queen the lineup is like around the store after a ball game sure. right I'm thinking like these guys got a license to print money anyhow which is kind of funny because fast forward there's a couple of things that were kind of prophetic in that regard number one is later you know when I'm putting myself through university if as a university kid there's basically two businesses. At that time, you could either become a college pro franchisee, which is really my first introduction to college pro, or you could become a Dickie D ice cream franchise. And maybe it was the ice cream in my, you know, in my blood and, you know, from the early years, but I became a Dickie D ice cream franchisee. And I did that for a couple of summers to put myself through, um, through, uh, through university. But, you know, fast forward even further when WSI, you know, a good number of years later, maybe six or seven years later, was recognized in Entrepreneur as the number one internet franchise in the world. Not just in the franchise 500, but to be the number one internet franchise in the world kind of like blew my mind. That was one of those moments. I'm looking at it going, this is what I used to look at as a kid and now I'm in here. So anyhow, that's just kind of a roundabout way of saying, you know, I was pretty entrepreneurial as a kid and kept at it. And how did it go from WSI because it was explosive growth. You went through ups and downs. How did it move from that to the big idea is to let's get a bunch of franchises <laughs> underneath underneath a portfolio and, and do the Clear Summit Group route? Yeah. Well, the so the internet was different than most businesses because it had never been done before. Um, you know, people would say to me, you can't franchise the internet. And I would say, you don't really understand what we're doing. We're not actually franchising the internet, but there was this, there was this vision that I had that someday everyone's going to need a website and we want to help them get those sites. That was before Google or before internet marketing and that kind of thing. But along the journey of growing a franchise system, there were lots of things I learned and there were lots of problems I encountered, lots of 
resources that I was able to put around those problems and systems and principles. And, um, you know, once WSI had achieved that critical mass and brought in a professional management team to run the business, um, for me, I had this entrepreneurial bug where I said, you know, like, I've learned a lot of these things that can help something go, you know, from zero to hero. And, you know, what if I were to take those same principles and apply them with another brand? And part of it is, you know, there, when you build a successful business, and I know, you know, many people who have done that, if you've done it once, there's sometimes in the back of your mind, there's a nagging question, were you just in the right place at the right time? Like, did you get lucky? And, and I should say, and I'm not going to drag you through all the, you know, there's probably a dozen businesses before I started WSI that I, you know, started and failed in one way or the other. Um, so it wasn't like my first rodeo, but at the same time, you know, could I ever achieve that much success again uh, or more, right? And so that was part of it was just a challenge to myself to say, could I do this all over again? And so when Tudor Doctor came along as an opportunity, a former WSI employee, Frank Milner, uh, ran into a guy, you know, John Huey, a, a friend of his that had this business, this tutoring business, and he'd sold eight franchises and, you know, nobody was paying him royalties and the whole thing was blowing up. And, um, and this is back in the days, you know, he was generating his leads through, you know, through the yellow pages. So it was like early days. Um, but I said, you, if you apply digital marketing to this thing, it could really go. And long story short, we, we bought out the company uh, Frank and I together, and um, actually Cornell uh, Business School did a case study on that acquisition. And um, we just applied all those same principles I learned at WSI and you know, grew that to several hundred franchises as well. And so the whole concept of, of doing that, helping emerging brands, founders who have a vision for what they want to create, how could we uh, support them through capital? through systems, through expertise, through resources, and create that, um, that fertile environment for helping other founders grow bigger, better, faster. And that was mm -hmm. kind of the, the, the vision of Clear Summit Group in the early days. And when you think about that part of it, and you think about you know a few years later, College Pro comes along. Because I, I, I think some people know my part of the story, and I haven't. Uh, I haven't been interviewed yet. Somebody's got to interview me. But the uh, my part of the story that you know, I think you were part of looking at College Pro in 2015 when it was potentially going to be for sale. When I uh, sorry 2017 when I tried to buy it and then it came up for sale uh, in in 2019. Gosh, it feels like years ago, Dan. I, it does. And it I, does. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to say that on the podcast. These last few years have felt like a millennia. Not short, but a long time. Why call it? Why was it intriguing to you? So many reasons. Um, uh, obviously, there was that that experience being young and knowing, you know, seeing others be successful at it when you know, and it was something I could have done at the time as well. I just knew the power of a franchise for a young person, right? Mm. In my case, it was Dickie D, but um, I just saw the power of that. Secondly, you know, my son uh, Jordan. Uh, when he was, I guess he was probably just after first year university, he was looking to get into uh, a, a, he was approached by a competitor to college mm -hmm. pro. And I said, you know what, there, are, what you really should do is look at different options and college pro should be one of those. I really, I mean, 
you and I were friends at the time. And I well, really- Well, we, we were sitting next to each other at a board meeting. You're telling me this. I said, okay, for sure. I, yeah. I, I remember you telling me that story and it, for sure he should talk to us. But I didn't want him to feel like I was pushing him in one direction mm. or the other because I knew there needed to be a cultural fit. And long story short, he did you know due diligence in interviews on all the different companies and, and College Pro felt like the right company for him uh, uh, culturally. And which- was kind of really interesting just to see him go through that process. But anyhow, I just saw, you know, and I, actually I remember something you, you said to me once, you, like this was around the time he just started. And, and, and you said, Dan, you understand your son is going to be running 30, 40, $50,000 business this summer. And I said, yeah, it's pretty amazing. He said, and you said, no, no, you, you follow what I'm saying. Your son is going to be running that size of a business this summer. I kind of paused for a second and thought, you're right. That is pretty incredible that my son, who has no skills in this area, is yeah. going to be trained and skilled up to do this. You know, within a couple of months, he's going to be having employees and running right. a business of his own. And it is pretty incredible when you think about it, because, you know, some companies can't do with adults what you guys mm-hmm. would, would do with young people. So I just saw the transformation in him. and. Um, and then I, I would say the third thing is that we realize that our biggest restrainer to growth is talent. Yeah. And, and the future, and, and I saw what College Pro did as the engine for first service brands, you know, b- being a multi-billion dollar company that was all fueled by this College Pro thing. When you look at the, the CEOs that were running the different brands and the key leaders within the different mm-hmm. businesses, not to mention the number of CEOs that are leading other public companies and ever, you know, that started in College Pro. I just saw that it was a leadership development machine. And I thought, wow, what would be the power of having that within mm-hmm. CSG? So it's all those kind of culmination of factors where, you know, it was on my radar for quite some time looking for the opportunity to do that. And, you know, finally the time came. Because one of your things that you're going through at the time, clear summit group because i i was not i don't know people may not know i wasn't in part of the deal right you you brought me into the deal it was that sort of 12th you know 11th hour saying look uh somebody's got to run this do you want what do you think and i remember my conversation with mary coming home and saying okay mary there's this i got this opportunity college pro but didn't you do that and i go yeah and then i you know i, I share the story with edward I had talked to him as well and said, you know, the world still needs college pro. Right. And that sort of tipped me. I go, you're right. It's, you know, and I, and I say it in my podcast with April, my intro to April, her and and really Charlie and her, they, they kept the juices flowing in college pro such that we we could have a, a, a great transition and, and a clear summit group. Um, so, and I, you know, it was, you know, 24, 48 hours because we had the letter of intent out to for <laughs> service brands, right? But that, uh, you know, me coming back into that and and us really coming at it with a new set of eyes. And I think that new set of eyes, you know, to your credit and, and probably Aaron Andrews' credit to let them run for a bit. They've been in, in, inside a structure, let them run. You know, they're two exercises when we bought them. Huge credit to Aaron and his team. They love transition that group and they love <laughs> doing things. 
Uh, but I, I want to take, because one of the things, and, and, and we should talk about it maybe a bit later in the podcast, but, you know, one of the things we have not tapped into is that reason um, that, and you and I align on that reason, because, you know, College Pro is going into a, a different, an, uh, an expanded business model with the, the full time, but there's all these wonderful people that we have spots for that we want to connect with, that I am not ashamed to say that COVID hit. Mm-hmm. And it was like, everyone just let's, let's keep the trains moving ahead and we'll come back to this when it's time. It feels like 50 summers is time. It feels like right. as we start to think about how do we continue to grow College Pro across North America and then how do we uh, repeat history in 2021, right? In today's world, a digital world, you know, you come back, come from a really a, a hardcore digital expertise background with digital uh, a, a different way of viewing the world and having spots I mean we have seven brands underneath our portfolio their spots right right and that road yeah. testing uh, is important we haven't even started that yeah I mean and, and it's it really manifests itself in different ways so on the one hand there is, there is our brands, our, our seven brands today. It could be more in the future, probably will be. Um, and each one of those brands represents an opportunity. And some brands are a little, little less capital intensive. So it's mm-hmm. kind of easier to get into one brand and build some equity and maybe transition over to another brand. So, I mean, there's not a lot of places where you can just kind of trade a business. You know, you can yeah. build something up one and then trade it off for something bigger. And, um, and so, it's kind of like, as I'm thinking about it, it's kind of like when you go to the, 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 the fair, like the CNE, you know, you start with a small prize, you get three small prizes, yep. you trade it up to a medium, trade it up to a large, like in the CSG Only if world, you're skilled. You, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but the, um, so there's that opportunity. And of course, the College Pro franchisee, I mean, I was really, I love this concept you guys had of that jumpstart certificate, mm-hmm. um, where I think that's what you called it. And, and those are still, which like, still exists, which still exists. Right. And you, you've, you've asked me like, can we honor those in CSG? And so that those people could use that $25,000, whether it's themselves or their family member, um, to get into a franchise system. And, and we're doing that. We're honoring those. Um, so it could be as a franchisee in one of our brands, it could be as, you know, a leadership trainee or a leader in one of our existing brands. I mean, it could be a former college pro GM. Well, we need GMs. We need like pretty much everything there was in college pro. We need those. We're growing, you know, at a, at a very serious clip. We need talent within our businesses. Um, the other piece is, I think one of the missed opportunities for college pro, for anybody who's in the college pro ecosystem, you know, this you know the number of businesses that have grown that were basically birthed through talent in College Pro and went on to start great businesses. And that's actually one of the characteristics within WSI and and our ecosystem is, you know, we've partnered with a a good number of young entrepreneurs that have started multi-million dollar businesses that we still own part of. And so we basically Mm -hmm. become like venture capital partners. And there might be somebody listening to this podcast who has a great idea they think maybe it can be franchised and they're thinking like, I don't really have the capital or, you know, I want to do it bigger, better, faster. Maybe we should do it together. You know, so we have those kind of conversations and we're all, we've always got our ears open and, 
um, and looking for great people. Yeah, and that, uh, that's under the umbrella for me of the, and I'm calling it, I'm putting it in a podcast for the first time, which is the CP Labs idea, which yeah. is anything goes, let's let's do something together. And and it's it's the open for business uh, college pro. CSG has the same concept, but we're really trying to create opportunities and have some fun. Like everything that I you just talked about, about being, I, I, I mean, I think, I feel privileged at times to be able to say I'm an entrepreneur. We're different types of entrepreneurs, but an entrepreneur and we get the opportunity to do all of this, right? And, mm-hmm. and can we have some fun and do it with people that are like-minded, have similar values, want to grow something? Uh, and just to keep moving along, because the, the, I think one of the things that attracted me to, and it's interesting on your scarcity and growth at the same time, I think you're this awesome mixture I've seen inside you're always making sure that we're we understand the scarcity of things without ever losing sight of the growth mindset. Right. It's this it's this dual idea that's just for it's awesome, and I'm I'm a big fan of dual ideas right now, like holding two things that may seem opposed at the same time. We've done a nice job of that, and one of the things that attracted me was the learning organization from every, almost every conversation that we were on a path to to continually be a better learning organization and the leadership skills, which have been, if I would say one thing that has, has pulled it across, the leadership skills have endured. Mm-hmm. That has been this constant thing that is, uh, you know, we, we reinvent and, and distribute skills, but tell us about the learning organization commitment uh, for clear summit group, obviously college pros, college pro, but the learning organization side of it, as you see it. Uh, yeah. So, just to back up on the one thing you were saying yeah. that I, I think is is kind of interesting. Sometimes you experience things in life and you're not able to exactly put it into words. And then somebody says something and kind of it connects some dots for you. Somebody said something to me, you know, after about 15 or 20 years in business, they said resources reduce resourcefulness. And, and it's interesting. So that the concept of how does scarcity and prosperity live in the same world. And, and what happens sometimes is that as an entrepreneur, one of the best things you can have is scarcity because it forces you to be resourceful. Um, I remember Bill Gates saying once, you know, he squeezes up every penny counts when it comes to negotiating the price of a vaccine because, because if you mm. can get it down one penny less, he can vaccinate another 10,000 kids. Yeah. You know, and so when we when we're able to be very efficient with our resources, it allows us to grow and scale and lean into growth faster. So I, I just wanted to make that comment when you're talking about scarcity. We certainly have the resources to lean in when it's time to lean in, but we also know when it's time to say, how can we do this in a tighter, more bootstrap, more efficient way? You know, there's that book, The Lean Startup, which I highly mm-hmm. recommend for anybody who's thinking about doing a, a startup at some point because that speaks to to a lot of that. Um, but in answer to your question around the learning organization, um, that is something that I've been passionate about since the beginning. I mean, I actually ran a publishing company prior to, uh, to uh, WSI. And in fact, it was probably our most successful company. We actually closed the door on that because I was, I was writing a, a, um, an, a, audio, it was called the Inside Edge. It was, it was a subscription thing that we sent around to business executives they subscribed to and 
where I would be kind of talking about the future and the trends and all that kind of thing. And all of a sudden we started talking about this information superhighway. It was going to be, a, that's what they used to call it back in those days. It was the interweb, the interweb, the interweb, right. And, and nobody knew if it was going to be like fiber optic or if it was going to be satellite or what it was going to be. And then this kid, Mark Andreessen, uh, at the University of Chicago invented this thing called Mo uh, Mosaic. And that became the first internet browser and it became Netscape. And ultimately that's what gave birth to the World Wide Web. But you know, prior to that, I ran a publishing company because I've been passionate ever since I was a kid about learning, reading books, um, you know, and personal development and that kind of thing. So it was very natural for me as we got into business to say, how can we help everybody learn? And then I heard this guy, Peter Senge, uh, he mm -hmm. wrote the book, The Fifth Discipline, and he said, the only sustainable competitive advantage is the speed at which we learn. And that the, the lights went on for me. I said, bang on, you've got it. Because it doesn't matter how much cash you have in the bank. doesn't matter what your IP is. doesn't matter what's on the balance sheet, your factories, your real estate, your land. At some point, all that changes. You, know, you just have to look at Sears or Kodak to know that, mm -hmm. right? It's the speed at which we as people and us as an organization, the speed at which we learn. The, the interesting thing, and franchising is very powerful in that regard, because we're not just learning as individuals, we're learning together as a community. And, and that we have a really powerful responsibility to learn with our franchisees, like to learn from them. And so there's no, I don't think there's any better or more important industry to be a learning organization in than sure. franchising. And so the cool thing about CSG is we've actually, and you've been the leader of this and at the forefront of it, actually building our own academy uh, to, to drive this growth in human development within our people and within our organizations. We call it the CSG Academy. And it's a, it's a skills and leadership development uh, program that all CSG employees and, and soon to be franchisees For sure. have the ability to plug in on, uh, plug into and continue to grow. So I, that's probably what I'm most excited about. It's funny, it's, it's something I've been wanting and talking about, you know, for many years, and it's now, you know, it's, it's real. So well, it's, it's super it, cool. you're lucky that I had happened to do something like that in my previous life, right? So right. Part, of, part of it is, it's interesting, because some of our, you know, I, I remember looking at our predictive index profiles, and I go, wow, we're both mavericks. You know, but we're, we come at the world very differently in a complementary way, which is, is sort of what each part of the business needs. And I, I, you know, in a conversation I was having earlier today, we we're just talking about the difference between openness and openness and close, right? You're trying to create an open learning organization. You got to know what you know. That's important. So when you invest in it, something grows. When it's closed or people are closed to learning, they just don't last here very long. And it's not because they're good or bad people. Mm -hmm. It's just, you got to be open to it because we're moving super fast uh, and that, and that's critical. And, and I think we'd be remiss not to talk about, you know, grow better together as our, our theme and our, and our focus, right? Just that is a learning organization motto, uh, right. you know, and, and that I think that was the fastest thing we ever agreed on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. You know, because, sure. <laughs> you know, we've had our normal partnership. We talk about stuff, critical discussions, but that, that was fast. Right. 
And it's really, I mean, it, it sounds like one thing you're saying, grow better together. And that is absolutely true, but it's really three important elements. Grow, I mean, that's what CSG is all about. We're a growth accelerator of brands. And, and by the way, that means us as people, we have to grow, right? And our mm-hmm. brands grow better, meaning that there are, you know, there's best practices, there's better practices, there's principles that we, people have solved problems before. We don't have to solve them all over again. We can just leverage those better and best practices. And then there's the together piece, which is that collaboration that happens the way our brands collaborate together, the way we collaborate with our franchisees, um, the way we collaborate with each other in the academy. I mean, this is not about going in and reading a book or watching a video. I mean, some of those things are part of it, but it's really a learning together uh, in those academy sessions. So grow better together is three ideas and, and it's one powerful um, vision. Yeah, and I and we run the company as a shared service model. So we're in service of the founders and the business leaders in all the businesses and and. Uh, although we're doing, we're talking, we know that we're servant leaders in a lot of ways to, to, you know, everyone who's all, all the brands and the people that are, are inside the brands. Uh, and I think grow better together is a good segue into uh, the last section. And one of the things that I've asked everyone to do mm-hmm. is to leave the current, cause it's, it's like a little, uh, 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 you know, a little moment in time. What would you like to leave uh, if you're leaving uh, three pieces of advice or wisdom for the class of 2021? Because I we might be around for the 75th, <laughs> but we probably won't be around for the 100th. But who knows what what the world will be? Be out, you know, leave it to entrepreneurs. But what would be your go-to advice or wisdom? Three pieces. Yeah. Um... That's tough, you know, because um, there's so many things I've learned over the years from, from great mentors. Um, one thing I would say is is no regrets. Uh, and mm. and that's that's a meaningful thing for me. And I've always tried to live by that. And, you know, if in the if I'm in the middle of I, I got this these plans, I got to get this done. But my daughter comes in and says, you know, can we can we go out and play in the garden or, you know, or can we go, you know, play ball or whatever, like, or my mom calls and I'm, you know, in the middle of something. And it's like, like, I always say to myself, you know, will I look back on this period of time and say, I should have done something different? Like, you know, the rocking chair test, there's yeah. lots of ways to talk about that, but I don't want to ever have any regrets. And so um, I might've done some things differently in hindsight, but, but, it's, sure. but that's different. Secondly, I guess, you know, we've already talked about the learning, but never stop learning. And I think, um, you know, I, I one of my mentors um, early on, well, you know, maybe 15, 20 years ago, super successful guy. But I remember him saying that um, he doesn't really read books anymore because they all start to sound the same. And it seems like he's read them all. And I said to myself, I don't know if I, I, I don't want to, I don't want that to happen to me. Like, I don't want to get to that place where I feel like I, I know, I know, like I, I don't have that passion for learning. Mm-hmm. And I, I've heard some people say, you know, you get to that point in, in your life where there's more years behind you than there are in front of you. And 
you know, when you get to over that, <laughs> over that 50 mark, it can be a very tempting thing to spend your time looking in the rear view mirror and spend too much time talking about the way it was or the things we've done and, and, you know, living on your past successes. So I think learning is, uh, is a, is a huge part of ensuring it's like an immunization because there's always more to learn. It immunizes you from that, uh, from that static, uh, place where you get stuck. And, um, and then coupled with that, you know, if I have to, you know, add another point, I, I would say, stay curious, um, you know, so what are the things that you like, don't just continue to, to, you know, go down your own silo or your own expertise, like stay curious about other stuff. Like, what are you learning about biology? What are you learning about space? What are you learning about history? What are you learning about geography? What are the, like, what don't you know that you don't know? And I think curiosity is one of the biggest traits an entrepreneur has. Um, and, and it's something that you need to continue to foster. And, you know, we have this principle we call think like Sherlock, where we're always looking for clues that can lead us to a better tomorrow, whether that's a better business model, whether that's a new strategy for lead generation, whether that's a new market to enter. But but staying curious is an important part of, you know, thinking like Sherlock. So, I mean, those would be some ideas that I'd kind of leave you with. Dan, I love, I love, uh, uh, I certainly don't think about, I, I think a little bit about the past, but I certainly think like we're, I, I keep saying we're the, we're the smartest we've ever been is right now. And we're right. the most energetic and, and, and the no regrets is a great way to end. I really appreciate spending the time uh, on, uh, on the you know torch torch given podcast and look forward to continuing to build the business with you it's going to be an exciting adventure thanks tony i'll talk to you soon see ya